FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 197 of the podcast that goes snicked. Snicked. We're your host, Jason and Denise Venable. Wait. Yeah, we're, we're bearing down on 200. Wow. Right around the corner. That's crazy. I know. Feels like just yesterday I got out my podcast stuff and started a little show. You know, you started your podcast before we ever got married. Oh, yeah. yeah. I started it at the house. I know. In, the, in my second bedroom, which was my living room. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so um, to, to clarify, it's because my living room was the music room. Yes, the drums, the guitars. The piano. Everything was in that room. Yep. And then I had a sofa and a TV in the second bedroom. Yes. My so little two-bedroom bachelor pad house. His man cave was his guest bedroom, but yeah. it didn't have a bed. And the sofa folded out to a bed. It was a hideaway. Yes. Or a sweeper for those of you fancy people. Um, yeah, so a little bit of a bonus episode, though probably will be a regular link. But um, we're going to go ahead and kick off October 2016. Snicktober? Maybe. Snicktober. <laughs> Last time I waited too late to say snick, Snicktimber. Right, oh, Snicktimber would have been yeah, better. Yeah, it was better. I said it in the outro last time, but forgot to do it in the intro. So what month would be snack? Snack or snacktober? <laughs> I don't know. Is this snacktober? I mean, snack well, so is the if, end of the year. That's when the claws are yeah. coming back in. But that sounds bad. I mean, but if you, had snicked, if you had snicktember mm-hmm. in snacktober, true. And then November and December are just left. November and December. Yeah. Well, you guys decide. It'll be it'll be snicktober or snacktober or just October. But anyway, we're going to do the first books, the first week of the month. Um, I originally intended to, to do this episode because Death of X came out. I have no idea what that is. So, and you're not missing much. But so Death of X is going to cover that missing eight months of what happened to old Cyclops and how oh. he died. Right? His war with the Inhumans and we're going to find out whatever terrible thing he did. And they waited so long to put this out that no one really cares anymore. But I was kind of excited because Aaron Cooner came over from DC. He jumped ship, came to Marvel, and has drawn the series. And I loved his action comics run. His art with Greg Pak on their run together on action comics uh, was sometimes great, sometimes just good. But the art by Cooner was always amazing. So I was, I was. Hesitantly excited, not about the, necessarily the story of Death of X, but to see the art. But I gotta say, he did something, he's, he's trying something a little different. And it's still good, but it's not like knocking my socks off. Uh-oh. So it's a little disappointing. And I can't really do an episode on it because there's no Wolverine characters in it. What? I, I thought for sure there would be, and there might be as the series goes on. I will say, and I thought they'd be in there like Old Man Logan or, or All New Wolverine because it's an X, it's a big X event, and how could you not have one, right? But reading the story, they would have had to have been shoehorned in, so I'm kind of glad they weren't. 
in there because the story's probably better off not having them as a cohesive story. But anyway, I, th- I just thought it was kind of weird. I was I was certain they would be in there, at least one of them, if not both. Right. And they still might. But anyway, since they're not, I'm not going to talk about it, <laughs> other than what I've already said. Okay. <laughs> but we are going to talk about the new story arc and all-new Wolverine, and then I'll also cover the latest issue of Uncanny X-Men. So that's what we have on slate for the episode for uh, Snacktober. Snacktober. <laughs> Hashtag Snacktober. <laughs> Brought to you by Denise. That's right. And Fruity Pebbles. And Fruit Snacks. Oh, and Peanut Butter. Fruit Snacks. Fruit, oh, Fruit Snacks. Yeah. There you go. And Peanut Butter. Everything's better with peanut butter. Oh, that's true. True. I had, so <laughs> I took my team t- to lunch um, last week and um, went to this little cafe place and it's pretty good. We've, we've been there before on the job and um, they had, you know, they have daily specials and one of their daily specials on the day we went was, was Thai shrimp and peanut sauce, which, you know. If it's peanuts, it's awesome. Well, that and I like Thai food and don't get very many opportunities to go eat it because I'm kind of alone in that boat. <laughs> That's not true. Whenever I've said, hey, would you get Thai food sometime, you're kind of like, eh. And you don't turn me down, but you don't sound excited. That's because all I'm thinking about is how Ethan's not going to eat anything. True. That is true. Now, if it was just us, yes, okay. I'm all about Thai food. You, it's, This is on the record that she will go eat Thai food with me. But anyway... Even though it wasn't a Thai food place, it was an, it's a pretty good cafe. They have a pretty diverse menu and a good chef there. So I was like, I'll, I'll try it. And it was pretty good, but I will say that peanut sauce was extra thick and tasted the most like peanut butter on the noodles than any peanut sauce I've ever had at a Thai food place. It was good. It was just surprising. They're secretly in the back with a giant jar <laughs> yeah, of Jeff. <laughs> just... <laughs> Slathering it in the noodles. Peanut sauce. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I got your peanut sauce right here. Anyway, it was it was Ryan Reynolds back there. Yeah. Uh, was that Waited? Is that what that movie's called? I think so. I don't know. Oh, it's pretty funny. Anyway, I digress. We have some comics to talk about. You ready? Let's do it. All right. Here we go. Okay, so first up, we have all-new Wolverine number 13, part one of Enemy of the State 2, which, of course, if you remember, Enemy of the State is one of the probably most well-known Wolverine solo stories. Um, Is it? Yeah. Uh, I forgot who wrote it, but John Romita Jr. did the art, and it it was really good. And of course, that was a story where Wolverine got taken over, mind controlled, and was a fugitive from Shield, and you know went on a killing spree. So, kind of know what some of the setups probably going to be coming into this if you know the story. But um, we'll see exactly where it goes. It makes sense that they would kind of do a version for Laura. Now the timing's interesting. We'll talk about that in a minute. Oh, okay. But um, Tom Taylor, of course, is our writer. We have a new penciler on the book, Nick Varela, or Varela, I'm not sure if he's Spanish or not. Um, I'm not familiar with him at all, him or her. I don't even know for sure. 
you know, whether it's a him or her or non-binary gender, I have no idea. But uh, Scott Hanna is the inker. Michael Garland is the colorist. VCs Corey Petter is the letterer. Woohoo! And David Lopez this time doing the cover. Of course, remember, he was the main artist that kicked off this book. It was really nice to see his cover. I like this cover a lot. It's kind of like... It was like an old, almost like... If you remember like the old horror comics from Marvel and DC, kind of has that feel. It's like a close-up on Wolverine's face. It's all in red tone. She's got her hand out with her claws up and her face kind of behind her hand with this terrified look and there's kind of blood all over the place. This is a really nice cover. I like it a lot. It reminded me of the old school um, horror movies. Yeah, yeah, definitely, which would be in vain with the old horror yeah. comics as well. Um, and I like our little banner. We have our Enemy of the State 2, and then 2 is Wolverine's two claws that she has on her hand, as opposed to, you know, Logan's three. And so it makes a nice little, you know, kind of play, like you would get in old X-Men movie logos or like the Jurassic Park stuff. Yeah. So it's cool looking. I like it. Um, so we all agree, good cover? Yeah. Yeah, good. All right, so what happens in this one? So it starts off, we're in... Now, in Dalesville, California, population 30. Oh, it is California? Yeah. Well, it says over here. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking at this panel. I was like, how do you yeah. know it's Yeah, on the, on the sign it doesn't, but on the page, the next page it does. So yeah, so we're in Dalesville, population 30, but it looks apocalyptic. Yeah, and then we scroll over to the next page with a full page splash. And it says, the town of Dalesville, California, population zero. Uh-oh, we have Laura kneeling in the rain and then dead bodies all around and a burnt, a blown up fire station, not fire, gas station and some burning cars and yeah, it looks bad, it looks real bad. And she's bad. in the rain. And she's crying. She's crying in the rain. Which, you know. Isn't that a song? Probably. It's definitely The Notebook. <laughs> I've never seen that movie. I haven't either. I figured you'd be all over that with Ryan Gosling. No, because I think it has a sad ending. Probably. Most good movies do. Um. <laughs> well, no. Remember I had a list of movies I wasn't yes. allowed to watch. I think that was on there. Yeah. So anyway, uh, but she does. She has a little crocodile tear, and she's got the raindrops falling on her. Um, so that, that looks ominous. And then we back it up three days ago, and what's going on? So Gabby walks in, and she's like, hey, we got a package. So Laura wants to know who it's from. Gabby says, oh, there's no address. Like, there's no return to sender right. information on it. So Laura's like, that's it. We're moving. This place yeah. is not safe anymore. And Gabby's like, what do you mean? <laughs> so Wolverine says, well, let's see. We had criminals. We had S.H.I.E.L.D. We had Captain America. Now we're getting unmarked packages. Oh, and her body was put into another dimension. Oh, yeah, yeah. We had the guy from the annual that, that zapped him. Yeah. Uh, or her, sorry. And Gabby's um, like, when you put it that way, okay. Yeah. And I like how Laura opens the package with her claw. Yes. It's 50 little mail opener. But something's in the package that has Laura. Yes, it's Gwyneth Paltrow's head. Yes. And Gabby <laughs> says, Laura? Or maybe more more appropriate, Tom York's singing head from that. Uh, what video? Uh, I forget what video that was. With her radio head. 
Um, yeah, but no, really, it's a vial of what? Trigger. Trigger scent. Yep. Which I know you didn't read all of the original Laura series, the yeah. X23 series, but trigger scent is what was used to, con- and we can get some of that in the issue, so we'll wait. I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. Yeah, so Laura throws the box at Gabby and says, get it away from me. Yes, and then, according to the art, very casually walks out of the room. <laughs> yeah. She says, bring Jonathan. We're leaving now. Yeah. And there's no sense of hurry in the art. No. And they go, they're loading up the car, and Gabby's I know they have like, Jonathan on a leash. Yeah. They're like, Gabby goes, where'd you get the car? She's like, Angel let us borrow it. Or she calls him Warren. Yeah, and that's his name. Yeah. Warren let us borrow it. And he's rich. He has more. I love how they just casually like throw that in there. <laughs> right. Um, plus, he can fly. Yeah. So if he can't drive. Who needs cars? He can fly. And I love how she's she's cryptic to Gabby. Gabby keeps asking where are we going, and Laura says vacation. And Laura says, I can't tell you because someone might be listening. Right. And then they have this weird conversation about the inanimate pelican. Yes, which Gabby loves, and Laura, you know. Brought with them. Gets, it, gets her back. She packs it in the back, the pelican statue. Um, talks to Gabby about keeping a low profile. And this part I thought was really funny. So they zoom off. Gabby's sitting out the sunroof, got her hands in the air. Yay, the open road. And then almost you can see this like in a TV show or a movie. Right. Like cut scene to just standstill traffic. Yeah. And Gabby going, (laughs) As lots of uh, cars honking their horns. But Gabby says to some of the drivers what I have wanted to say to so many drivers. (laughs) I think Tom Taylor is... uh, Channeling our inner road ranger in yes. all of us. Yeah. She goes, what are you trying to achieve? You think your horn is some kind of magic button that makes traffic flow? Why don't you put in- your energy into something constructive? And the lady yells at her. The lady says, why don't you put your energy into something constructive? Like, shut in your face. Little girl. So she knows she's screaming at a child. Yes. <laughs> Which makes her all the worse. And so Gabby decides Gives to give her... Gives her the finger. <laughs> the <laughs> bone finger. The bone claw finger, yeah. Gives her the bird, the bone claw bird. And we get a nice snick, and Laura calms her down and says, low profile, remember? And we get a sound, and we find out that somehow, mm-hmm. Laura threw the... Or Gabby through the back door somehow, like... Poked her tire without anyone noticing. I, I don't know exactly how the. Yeah, I wasn't one hundred percent sure. The like, physics of that worked, but was it Gabby who did it, or was it just karma that this lady's tire blew? I thought it was Gabby. I thought Laura was like, "Dude, you can be mad, but do it low profile," and so somehow she sneakily pops the tire. I don't know. I when I first read it, I thought Gabby poked the tire, but then when I look back at the art and reread it, I thought. Maybe this is just karma for this woman. Well, she would have had, unless Jonathan did it. Maybe Jonathan did it. Because look at his face. Look at Jonathan's, I, that's my new theory. So Jonathan's like in the back. Like Laura's getting on to Gabby for having road rage. And she's yelling at her. And Jonathan's in the back with his head cocked like, hmm, low profile, huh? So I think he did. I think he sticks his claws out his little window, slices the tires. 
and they drive off. <laughs> okay. That's that's my theory, and I'm sticking to it. Okay, I'm sticking yep. with karma. Okay. I think Jonathan the Un- Unstoppable, is that his name? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, we go to a cabin in the woods in California. <laughs> uh. And Gabby's like, great, cabin in the woods, that always ends well. Yeah, she's like, zombies are going to come eat yeah. us. It's the start of a horror movie. Do you want undead hordes? Because this is how you get undead hordes. <laughs> I love that conversation. Yeah, I need to. So then um, Gabby asks if she has any family. Laura says, I do. I almost killed him. <laughs> Are you close? Oh, so no. <laughs> Which I didn't know Laura had family. Yeah, she had a, well, I mean. I thought she was a clone of Wolverine. So I, yeah. I thought she was. It's more of an adoptive type family, I guess. It's so, right, so. We're we're about to get some flashbacks to get into this. Laura had like a mother figure at the program. And that lady had a sister and a niece. Okay. That took Laura in after she escaped from the program. Okay. For a little while. And so she referred to them as her aunt and her cousin. So it's not biological, but, you know, not by blood, but by love. Okay. Yeah. And Gabby's like, well, what happened? And Laura's like, because of what was in the package, in the vial. The trigger scent. It's a long story. And what does Gabby say? Well, it's a long road, and Jonathan isn't very talkative. (laughs) (laughs) So then we get a flashback, which is... It's informative for new readers. And not so interesting for people that have already read it. (laughs) So, So what did you think of the flashback? Since you don't know the story really that much. I don't want to say I liked it because it's a hor. When I say it's a horrible backstory, it's a horrible backstory for the person going through it. Um, right, like what she went through was terrible. Yes. Right, but I needed to know it because I was like, "What? What's a trigger scent?" I mean, right. I kind of, I'm not stupid. I kind of put it together that a trigger scent was going to make her go berserk, but I didn't know where it came from. Yeah. Yep, so anyway, we, we find out, and the very, very quick rundown, she was cloned, or born into a cell, thrown into the facility to be turned into a weapon with her sensei, um, but she had some some of those, some of those daggum human traits <laughs> and compassion, so they developed a trigger scent to control her, and basically, whenever she smells the trigger scent, it's akin to Wolverine's berserker. And she just goes on a killing spree, and when she wakes up, everybody's dead, and she doesn't really remember it. She goes, and she blacks out. Yeah, she blacks out. Um, so they use it to make her kill her sensei. They use it to make her kill her mother figure. Um, and we find out that Kimura was her handler, which we remember her from the first story. And of course, if you know, you know, the second, I think, X-23 miniseries heavily focused on Kimura as well. So Debbie and Megan took her in when she escaped. They looked after her, but Kimura came after her and gave her a trigger scent because she wants to destroy everything she loves, everything Laura loves. So she made her have a trigger scent at the house, and she almost killed her family. But, and I don't remember exactly what happened, but she got away, and they survived. But, of course, she left because she didn't feel like they were safe. So we find out exactly who Kimura was and how sadistic she is and how much she just hates Laura just to hate her. 
And, you know, I, I guess that story took the whole way to get to the cabin. <laughs> yep. Because they're there. And apparently, did you know Wolverines bounce? Did not know that they frolic. Yeah, I always thought, I mean, I knew they were kind of fast. And maybe I just don't know Wolverines. As much as I love Wolverine and nature, maybe I'm not that familiar. I always thought they moved kind of like badgers, right? They kind of scurried. Yeah, I did too. But I don't actually know that. So maybe they do bounce. But when Jonathan, the un- unstoppable. unstoppable, bounces out of the car. They go into the cabin and it's a pigsty. <laughs> and Gabby, oh, bless her sense of humor. Um, she says, ooh, it smells like something died in here. Something that gave up living because it couldn't handle its own stench before it died. <laughs> and Laura's like, no, that's just Logan's hygiene. We'll clean it up. It even has Wi-Fi. The fridge is still running. but the fr- Can the fridge run if the freezer doesn't? Yeah. Okay, all right. So the fridge is running. Apparently the freezer is not. They open the freezer and there's an empty loaf of bread with a family of mice living in it. <laughs> my, my favorite is Gabby goes, it worries me that they chose to live here. It means the freezer is the most livable right. part of this hole. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite part is Laura was like, really? Logan had bread? <laughs> yeah, you got to have bread for your beer. <laughs> and then the power goes out. Yeah. She was just talking about how safe it was, but the power goes out. So she says, all right, take the flashlight. I'm going to go into town. If nothing else, I'll get candles. And I'll find out if, they're, if they lost power too, like if this isolated to us. Because the fuses, everything looked okay. So apparently she walks into Dalesville, population 30. Sees a guy and his son with a lantern. So why didn't she take the car? I don't know. Maybe when it start. That would have been a nice little piece of like knowledge because this guy says, no, the whole town's blacked out. Can't even use cell phones. Hmm. Yeah. And so Laura's like, can you hear? And the kid's like, what? And she says, planes. And the dad's like, I don't hear anything. They're water bombers. It's raining. I don't smell a fire. Then we see the release of this green cloud. I only, you know, if we didn't already see the vial and trigger scent, I would have thought, oh, this is team mist. And this is a terrorism bomb. You know, with all the inhuman stuff, because it looks the same. It's the same green fart cloud. <laughs> but, um, no, it's trigger scent in a gas. <laughs> I said dart gun, not fart gun. <laughs> <laughs> and Laura's like, you need to evacuate the town. The whole town, get away from me. But then she says, it's too late. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry I came here. Snicked. And then the dad's like, oh, yeah, let's run. And she uh, says, says, it's too late to it's run. It's too late. I do like the kind of the, the color of the green in the rain. Yeah. It looks nice. As the trigger scent is kind of raining down on her. And she has excuse me, both claws out. Not crazy about why. I don't know why she's wearing a kerchief. but It's a scarf. Ascot, maybe. No, it's a woman's scarf. Oh, okay. It's fashionable. It's fashionable. Remind uh, me never to wear a scarf in front of you. Your scarves don't look like that to me. I don't know. Maybe it's just the artist. Um, well, speaking of the artist, but before we get there, Dan has some thoughts. So let's see what Dan had to say. Remember, this is Dan Cole from the Inner Comics Podcast. He's been 
following along with this series for us. Uh, his Twitter is at Gizmo151183. So go give him a follow. Go listen to the Intercomics podcast. It is brilliant, always. So listen to it if you're not already. Um, and he has this to say about All New Wolverine number 13. So giving Laura her own version of a popular Logan story is a no-brainer. I agree. Um, however, this first part is lazy and is a perfect example of how heavy-handed overexposition can kill a comic. The flashbacks just make the rest of the book predictable. There's nothing wrong with using the trigger scent as an exciting, <coughs> excuse me, as the inciting incident, and the premise has potential, but the exposition squandered that potential, and Ooh, the flashback. That's an interesting. Yeah, so we'll talk about that in a second. But um, art-wise, the Nick, <laughs> I I don't know if he mentioned this, but he says the Nick Barella, as if he, you know. Knows him. <laughs> right. Like, like if you watch Monday Night Football, it's always the Ohio State University. Anyway, art-wise, the Nick Varela does a serviceable job, but it does seem rushed in places. The colors also seem slight lackluster, making the visual presentation a little bland. To be fair, there is little in the script for Varela to get his teeth into, but some visual flair could have helped. All in all, this is probably the weakest issue of all new Wolverine so far, Deserving, oh wait, we'll give his rating in a minute. But he said, not a disaster, but not good. So he didn't really care for this issue that much. Thought it had potential, but didn't live up. So let's talk about the art first. What do you think about the art? I was not a fan of the art. Okay. Um, I kind of went back and forth on the art. It is very much, and like I said, I don't know Varela's, or Varela, I don't know how you say it. I don't know their work, not familiar with it. It kind of looks like what's going on in the current Archie series a little bit. Or kind of like uh, similar to the art and not as good, but similar to the art and why the why the last man. Kind of that this imagey, you know, kind of almost has a cartoon strip feel to it, but it's still very comic booky, if that makes sense. So I liked parts of it. Parts of it I wasn't super crazy about. Um... There have been other artists on this book I thought were more appropriate, I guess, to to the story that, that felt like it fit better. But I liked it okay. My only really complaint about the art, like the pencils, is there, besides I agree with Dan, there's some panels that seem kind of rushed, especially, especially in the faces. But there's no, in the body language, while there's some moments of humor, like with Gabby in the car and her facial expressions and stuff like that, uh, that art is good, but there's no sense of urgency to any of the action. It all feels like it's moving very slow. I agree. Um, and I talked about that earlier, like when Laura gets the trigger sent and she walks out of the room, like that page, it seems like if I opened a, a box, right, mm-hmm. and there was something really terrible on the package that I needed to get like away from me so I didn't lose control, a, I don't know if I would throw the box at Gabby because if then if it falls and the trigger scent breaks, she'll kill Gabby. Right. So maybe not her best move. But moving quickly, yeah. But then I would like got away from her, ran in the bathroom or something, like collected myself, and then said, "Okay, here's what we got to do. You know, calm down. Let's let's do this." Right. But the whole page just moves in slow motion. Laura kind of casually gets up. She's maybe walking to the bath. I don't know. There's no there's no urgency in any of the art. 
And even like in the fight scenes and the flashbacks, this feels very cardboard. Yeah, I agree. And then, I don't know. I'm going to agree with Dan on the colors for sure and the flashbacks. What do you think of the colors overall? Mm. Really? Okay. I kind of like the... So, the part where I kind of like the... Okay. I agree with that. It was too muted in a lot of places. I like the colors on the first page of Laura at the gas station in the rain. Most of the panels where it's raining, I like the colors okay. The panels where it's not, and especially in the flashback, it does seem pretty muddy and just not bad, but like Dan said, just kind of lackluster. Just kind of not really making the book pop. Right. But the, the closing scene, like when we have the T, not the, I almost said it, not the T mist, but the, the trigger scent, the T scent. It is the T scent. Yeah, there you go. I don't know. I thought, especially the last page, I thought the colors looked really cool. Yeah, but those are the only two pages. Yeah, okay, fair enough. So, what did you think of the story? Eh. Really? I okay. kind of... Oops. I kind of agreed with Dan that it was a lackluster story. They've had better, more earth-shattering. I feel like this is a stopgap. Okay. Like, okay, this is... Over here's the story we're trying to tell, but we need to get there. So... So you think they're riding for the train? This is the, yeah, this yeah. is the bus that's going to get us <laughs> to where we need to be. Okay, I both agree and disagree. A couple of things I want to talk about. First of all, I agree that the exposition and the flashbacks is very heavy-handed. I feel like the exposition leading up to that is kind of okay. I really, still really enjoy Gabby in this book. I really like her personality, her sense of humor. It flowed really well. And that kind of leads to another point. You know, they are kind of retelling, not retelling, but reshaping or reformatting an old Wolverine story for Laura. Right. Right, with Enemy of the State too. And I thought, well, like reading, I love the first one. Enemy of the State, not the Will Smith movie, (laughs) but the Wolverine story with Logan is a great series, but it's super serious, which is fine. You know, that's where that book was at the time. This book, All New Wolverine, has not been super serious. And so I was wondering whether this would be like a significant departure from for the tone. Like I knew, kind of, they're going to follow the same premise. I, I was pretty sure it would involve Trigger Scent, not 100%, but it, obviously it did. So obviously the idea that we're led to expect is that Laura's going to go nuts and kill this town and then she's going to be a fugitive, right? Right. Because people are going to try to hunt her down. It'd be really inter- interesting to see how Gabby plays into this. Yes. Um, but also, even leading up to it, this book, while having a serious subject matter and a dark story with the trigger scent and Laura killing this town conceivably, is a very dark story because obviously she wouldn't like that and is going to be horrified at what she did, right? Right. But the tone of the book didn't feel too much of a shift because the whole first half, we still have the road trip, right? With Gabby and Laura and just being Gabby and Laura. And Jonathan, too. Don't want to forget Jonathan. 
so that part felt like a natural extension of where we've been. Now, as far as the timing of this story, I want to kind of talk about what we talked about last time in, in number 12, where it was kind of a really, not coming of age, because Laura already came of age, but it really like Laura grabbing the Wolverine mantle by the claws and being like, you know, really coming into her own as Wolverine. And so now that she's tried so hard to be Wolverine her way and has finally kind of cemented that with Captain America and with S.H.I.E.L.D. and with everybody else, like externally, you guys now know this is how I'm doing Wolverine. Like, this is it. And now this is going to be a huge test because suddenly everything she's worked to build is going to be potentially, like, thrown away when she kills this town. Right. So that part I thought was really interesting and a really interesting time for Taylor to tell the story. I thought the pacing and the timing was really good. I agree. The flashback is not great. It is very heavy-handed. I think it was necessary to a degree for readers who don't know that part of the story. They need to know where all this is coming from. And it maybe could have been done a little better. I can see that. Yeah. So, um, all right. So Dan gave this two out of six claws. Wow. Pretty unhappy with it. Yeah. Or, or maybe not unhappy. I I would dare say disappointed would probably be the word he would prefer to use. Because like us, he's been loving this series overall. Right. And so he felt like this was kind of a pretty big step down. Um, what are you going to give on Wolverine number 13? I'm going to give it three out of six. Okay. I just thought it was middle of the road. Yeah. It didn't disappoint me, but it, I don't think it was the best. Right. Um, I enjoyed Gabby enough, and I like, like Dan said, the inciting incident. I like the what the story is shaping up to be enough that I can kind of just ignore the flashback because I, I literally, I read, because I knew the story already, I read that flashback in probably a total of five seconds. <laughs> yeah, I just kind of sped read through it to get to the rest. And I liked the rest enough. And I thought the art was okay enough. Oh, man, I don't know. I kind of I kind of want to give it three, and I kind of want to give it four, just for Gabby's sense of humor. I think overall, I don't know, should I go four just to be different? What do you lean toward? What was your first instinct? Three and a half. <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> then it's not a four. Okay, fine. Three out of six claws for all new Wolverine number 13. But I, I'm excited about the story, though. I'm excited to see how it goes and see how Gabby and uh, Jonathan, the unstoppable, play into it. See how the kind of the back or side cast kind of fleshes out the story because Wolverine didn't really have a a, a supporting cast when he had this story. It was just him. So I think that should help keep the tone more in line with what we've been expecting from this book. But still tell like a serious dark story that is a really a character challenge for Laura. And that's what I'm looking forward to. So um, I'm still waffling. I want to say I'm, I'm waffling between three and four claws out of six. Uh, Dan gave it two. Denise gave it three. But that is our debut, the first chapter of Enemy of the State 2, all-new Wolverine number 13. Yep.
Okay, so we have one more comic to talk about. That's Uncanny X-Men number 14 in our where, or sorry, our Wolverine Roundup. Yeehaw! So anyway, um, Uncanny X-Men 14, of course, uh, features Sabretooth. Um, it's going to be written by Colin Bunn, penciled by Greg Land, inks by Jay. Shh, listen. Colors by David Curiel. Letters by VCs Joe Caramagna and Land and Curiel do the cover. And my synapses just are not firing tonight. Um, I know that this cover is an homage to a previous story featuring one and or both of these characters. I cannot think of what it is. But basically we have Magneto and Exodus kind of in a split panel. And in between them is a globe, like of the Earth. And they're both reaching for it with their hands and lit up with their powers. And it's a pretty good cover. And it definitely is from a 90s X-Men story. And I just, <laughs> I feel dumb and I can't place it. So if you know what it is, shoot me a tweet or a Facebook or email or whatever. And remind me. I will probably remember it later and you know, facepalm myself, but um, anyway, that's where we are. So, uh, we're in the middle of this story, um, that we have realized is, you know, the return of Exodus, that Exodus is behind the Someday Corporation, we're kind of back to that, Magneto is using the Hellfire Club, we have these sweeper agents, or sweeper mutants, that Someday is unleashed, and so, we left off with Psylocke trying to infiltrate Lion Boy's mind and somehow there's all these protections and it's real dangerous. She's not comfortable with it. So she finds out a little bit of information. There's going to be an attack on an anti-mutant rally in Washington and they're just going to try to slaughter people. Magneto, of course, wants to know well, who's behind it. And Psylocke says, I, I don't know. I, if I keep going, I'm going to kill this guy and I'm not going to do it. Magneto pushes us, we need to know. And Psylocke says, no, you want to know. We know what we need to know. We can stop what's happening. I'm not going to murder this man just to give you another enemy. <laughs> yeah, so Psylocke taking her stand. Um, the rest of the Hellfire Club's like, well, um, I don't know about this. And Monet says, you know what, I'll finish what she started. I don't mind pulling my psychic punches. I'll find out who's behind this. So she goes in. Um, Magneto chases down Psylocke. Psylocke says, I got what I have. I'm going to go stop this with or without the rest of the Uncanny X-Men. Um, she says, this, this isn't what I signed up for. Hasn't been for some time. Magneto says, all right, we'll go. Go with the X-Men. Take them. Go. I'll do what I have to do. And Monet comes in. She says, I figured it out. She's got, a, of course, our typical... A telepathic nosebleed that we've come to see over and over in comics and TV shows and movies and whatnot. Use your if you push your mental powers too hard, your nose bleeds. Uh, remember that, folks. So the someday Corporation Research Facility in Sierra Nevada, Magneto infiltrates it, and he's in his suit and he's throwing stuff around. We get some really cool panels here. Really nice work by Land and Curiel. And we're going to welcome Magneto and Exodus is there and Mystique is in the fetal position at his feet. Mm. 
not sexist at all, I'm sure. Anyway, Magneto's like, we should talk. And they don't talk. They fight. Exodus is like, I'm doing all this for you. Remember? I love you. You're the man. You're my boss. Everything I've done has been for you. And Magneto's like, no, you're perverting me. Even me, who hasn't always, you know, had been the nicest guy. You're you're perverting my image. Um, so they start fighting. We go to the rally where the sweeper mutants from someday are attacking the rally. And they've already killed a few people. We see the black bird. And we get a double page spread of the uncanny X-Men hopping into the fray. Fighting the sweeper mutants. One of which looks to be the same lion boy that we know is incapacitated at the moment. But hey, there's thousands of mutants. Who's to say there's not another guy that has fangs and a mane. Anyway, it's a pretty good panel. Um, yeah, looks pretty good. So we go back. Exodus and Magneto fight some more. Exodus seems to be getting the upper hand. But of course, Magneto gets in there, knocks Exodus out, finds out that he's been controlling people. So once he's knocked out, all the sweeper agents wake up at the rally and are like, what are we doing? Oh, they're terrified, of course. Sabretooth's like, um... These guys aren't fighting us anymore. Mystique wakes up. Psylocke says, okay, but we can't let these guys go. So they take the sweeper mutants back home. We go back to the Hellfire Club where Psylocke quits the team. And she has a conversation with Magneto, but also between the lines we find out has a telepathic conversation with Magneto uh, where she basically says, you know what? I'm leaving, but I'm still watching you. But I'm not just keeping an eye on you until I... Let you know when you do wrong. Uh, Magneto says, oh, you're going to be my guardian angel. She's like, no, you're avenging one. You get out of line, I'll kill you. And then she leaves. And then Magneto takes all the someday mutants to Zorn's monastery in Tibet. And Zorn's like, oh, cool, it'll be fun. We also find out that Exodus is in some kind of like chamber (laughs) where he's frozen. And he's there too. So Zorn's going to keep an eye on Exodus and the other mutants and help him try to, you know, have a nice peaceful existence. Um, The art on this is fine. Greg Land is fine. Um, The story is fine. Um, It's it's interesting that Psylocke doesn't really say... Like, she leaves. And obviously, like, she's been part of the team to try to help keep Magneto in check. And Zorn even says that. Like, oh, I'm sorry that Psylocke's leaving. She was helping, you know, counterbalance you. And Magneto's like, hmm? And Zorn's like, don't be coy with me. You know. You enjoyed having that part of her there to kind of temper you a little bit. But it's interesting, because we know that Psylocke was there for that, intentionally. Like, she kind of proactively joined the team to help keep an eye on Magneto and balance him. And that's, I think, when she leaves, that's why Magneto's like, okay, well, so you'll do what you've been doing, just not by my side. And she's like, no, this is different. I'll kill you now. But the other reason she was there was to keep an eye on Archangel and try to help him. And obviously, we had that little story where he kind of was split into two and rejoined himself, and now he's more whole. But he's still on this team as far as we know. And so I think it's interesting that Psylocke is also leaving him. 
I'm curious to see how that plays out for sure. So that's interesting. I like the whole Psylocke part of the story because I, I like Psylocke. And I like Magneto too. And Bond has been definitely kind of focusing on the two of them for a while now. Uh, the Exodus part was fine. Yeah, this is still, you know, we kind of had that bump in the road with the Apocalypse Wars tie-in and the Angel story, or Archangel story, Angels and all new X-Men now. The Archangel story we just referenced. You know, it's kind of a, kind of a bump, a little dip in quality for this book, but we're kind of back where we were, back where this book started and has been for most of its run. Just a nice, solid X-Men story. Nothing like amazing, but just just good, solid. Solid is the right word. And so I'm going to continue with that trend. I'm going to give this book probably the most common score I've given it in its 14-issue run. Um, I'm going to give Uncanny X-Men number 14, four out of six claws. So anyway, that... Uh, Saber, oh, I guess I should specifically mention Sabretooth. He fights, and then when... Good on him... When the other mutants kind of wake up and quit fighting, like quit resisting, he doesn't like just keep going <laughs> like old Sabretooth would have. So Pussycat Sabretooth, who's been maybe waning a little bit, um, he's still in effect though. He's like, all right, well, these guys quit fighting, we should probably quit fighting too. So that's what he does. But anyway, um, this is your Wolverine Roundup for this episode. Um, hope you enjoyed it. Yeehaw! Okay, so that's going to do it for this episode of Snick Snacktober. <laughs> 2016, the first part, had a less than exciting kickoff to what could be an exciting Wolverine story. And we carried on with our Uncanny X-Men story. Yeah, so, as always, feel free to send in your thoughts. How can you do that? Well, A, you can like the Facebook page and comment there. Make that your own thing. You know, take charge, do it. You can also follow us on Twitter, at SnickCast. You can email your thoughts, nickcast@yahoo.com, And of course, show notes and stuff if you want that, which kind of, I mostly just gives, announces the episodes and gives a breakdown. You know, if you're like, hey, I really want to hear what they're talking about this issue, but I don't really care about these other issues. You can see like the minute and the second when they stop and start. <laughs> That's what's in the show notes pretty much exclusively. <laughs> Not very in-depth other than that. But anyway, those can be found at snickcast.podbean.com. So everyone, hope you enjoyed the episode. Until next time, hugs and snicks. Bye-bye. And snacked.